You're listening to the Detroit Worldwide Podcast, where we highlight the stories of Native Detroiters that are doing great things in their community and using their impact across the globe. I'm Marquise Taylor. Welcome to the D. What up, though? Welcome to another installment of the Detroit Worldwide Podcast. I am Marquise Taylor. And on this week's edition of the podcast, we are continuing our recognition of women in the field of art, sports, and entertainment. And setting things off for us this week is Miss Marjan, who is coming to us live from the 313. In this episode, you're going to learn about Marjan's path into the field of media, where she's been able to host a variety of radio shows and podcasts, including her current show, which is called R&B Soul Groove. It airs weekly here in the state of Michigan, as well as her podcast, which is called The Convo with Miss Marjan, and that is available on all streaming platforms. Like our recent guest, Sankaya Hall, Marjan is a proud HBCU graduate and holds a degree in industrial engineering from the world-renowned North Carolina A&T University. Marjan and her story are simply one of one as she is all about taking initiative in order to learn and grow. Our conversation was very exciting. It was a joy to listen to the wisdom and knowledge that she was able to drop. So I hope that you all are able to walk away with something tangible from this episode, especially as it relates to securing the bag. Now, all of that being said, you have heard enough from me. So why don't we dive into the discussion that I had with the one and only Miss Marjan. All right, this is Detroit Worldwide, and today I have the pleasure of being joined by somebody that's doing some amazing work in both the podcasting space and also in the field of radio. Our guest on Detroit Worldwide this week is Miss Marjan. This is going to be a fun conversation, and we are continuing to recognize women in arts, sports, and entertainment for Women's History Month, so I'm excited to chop it up. So, Marjan, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. What up, though? What up, though? Thank you for having me, Marquise. Thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate you, and your background is phenomenal. I mean just the things that you've been able to do in the different spaces, but I'm just excited to, you know, just chop it up with you and learn more about you. So one thing I want to do is connect you to our listening audience. So why don't you begin by telling us a little bit about yourself and all of the amazing work that you do? All right, Marquise. What up, though, everybody that's listening in podcast land? This Marjan, man, I would say I'm the jack of all trades, the master of some. You know what I mean? That's the best way to put it, especially being an engineer. I started out Marquis doing that undergrad, had my undergrad degree in engineering, industrial engineering. Then I went over and got my master's in communications from 
University of Southern California. So I kind of using both sides of the brain. I'm using the reading, writing side for my, you know, marketing, PR, media stuff that I do. And then I'm using the science, uh, technology, you know, math stuff for my engineering projects and stuff. So that's kind of Ms. Marjan in a nutshell, always involved in something, never a dull moment, Marquis. So I do want to circle back, however, and take it to where it all began, the city of Detroit. So what did life look like for you growing up in the D? Well, let me say this, Marquis. I learned the hard way. You got to be specific when it comes to where you grew up in the D. Like if you didn't grow up in Detroit, don't have like some cross streets to reference. Because, <laughs> you know, people will call you out. They're like, oh, you're from Detroit. What, what's your cross street? So I, was, I used to use my grandma's cross streets, Pembroke and uh, Wyoming or Livernois. So over there by Bovey in middle school back in the day. So, you know, growing up in Detroit, like I said, I grew up kind of like in the suburbs of Detroit. And so that meant like we first we was like on Littlefield and then we moved to Oak Park, you know, Littlefield down there near Chicago area. Chicago, yeah, uh, Plymouth or something like that. But then moved out to Oak Park. So I went to elementary school and all that. Always had that connection with Detroit because my grandma or my relatives lived in Detroit and also our church was in Detroit. So, you know, the thing is, I tell people when I do my podcast, what side are you representing? So I say West Side. So that's what side. That was what I could connect with as far as Detroit. So growing up in Detroit, drinking Verners, <laughs> Fago <laughs> Pop, you know, that kind of thing. Hot chips, you know what I mean? So, hey, it was a good upbringing and everything. Only child raised by two only children. That's one thing that's different about me. I ain't never met anybody like that. Who can top that, right? <laughs> so different kind of lifestyle, you know, for the most part, but always around a good community of people. That was one good thing about growing up in Detroit. Now, I know you spoke about your upbringing, going to church, being around your grandmother, being on her block and drinking Fago and Verner's, things like that. But I am curious to know in what ways did Detroit shape or influence your outlook on life and also the view of the world? Wow. You know what? I have a different perspective on Detroit because when I graduated from high school, I immediately went away. I went away because I was an only child raised by two only children. I wanted to get away. And that was something both of my parents went to school, all even college in Michigan. So I was the first one to leave the nest. So I was determined to see what life was like outside of Michigan, outside of Detroit. And I'm going to tell you something. My dad hit it on the nail. If you can make it in Detroit, you can make it anywhere. It's not New York. They say New York, but no, Detroit. Because Detroit is, can be a hard place to live in many different kind of ways. We don't take a lot of mess. So the way that it influenced me and shaped me, it made me into the woman that I am now. That, you know what, when I do stuff, I do it like a beast. And and Detroit is the type of person, they don't care about name dropping and who you've been with, who you've worked with. It's all about how, what am I going to get out of this? We're a hustler type of town. And so I can honestly say in this day and age right now, I've probably made the most money, met the most um, inspiring people in my life since I've been back in Detroit this year, you know, this this season, should I say. So it has totally shaped me. I used, I used to, when I first got back here, I mean, I've lived in LA, New York, Atlanta. I used to name drop. I mean, one person told me, I don't care if you work with Mary J. Blige. I don't care if you met Michael Jackson. What high school did you go to? What side of town you represent? You know, <laughs> Detroit folks don't care about that. Can you sing or not? You know, or, I mean, are you about your money or about your business? That's all we care about. What am I going to get out of this? So that's how Detroit is. <laughs> and that's how it's helped me. 
No, I get it. I totally understand. And you mentioned something about being the first in your family to go away from school, which is actually a segue into my next question. So on this podcast, we have like a lineage of HBCU graduates. So I guess my question is to you, tell us about your decision to attend North Carolina A&T and how were you able to establish an identity for yourself and also build community coming from Michigan? Wow. Well, first of all, let me be honest and transparent. I started at a predominantly white school, which was Syracuse University. I went there first, had a scholarship, and it took losing that scholarship and almost failing out to realize something was wrong. You know, coming from a predominantly white high school here in Michigan, you know, you know, we didn't have you know historically black colleges coming to recruit in my high school. You know, the people who did end up going to like historically black colleges were aunts and uncles or parents who knew about it. My parents went to what, Western and Eastern. So I went to this white school. And next thing I know, I'm failing out. You know, I'm not used to going to class with 200 people. I'm just going to class with 35 people. And so finally, it took some people from my mom and dad's church to say, send her down south. Send her down to HBCU where our kids are. And I went down to North Carolina. When I went down there, when I enrolled and went down there, that was the first time I was seeing a historically black college for the first time. You're talking about school days on steroids. My mom and dad was like, no, we can't leave you here. But they did. And as far as Detroit, the cool thing about it, we had a Midwest Aggie club at North Carolina A&T. So it was really cool to be able to meet other like-minded people who were from the Detroit. And that's how I found out, look, if you're going to say you're from Detroit, you better name drop some, some Cross Street. Much love to them. Some of them ended up being my line sisters. I'm still friends with a lot of them still to this day. Even some of them have moved. We've moved back to Detroit. So that's the thing about Detroit. You may move away and do other things. You know, a lot of people leave Detroit and they become real successful. But kudos to those of us who come back and share the wealth and knowledge that we learn elsewhere. I love it. I love it. And again, like we have had so many HBCUs represented on this podcast. And to me, I feel like you all have this quiet excellence about you and that you're going to these HBCUs coming from Detroit and then you're going out of these HBCUs and you're kind of continuing what you were able to see growing up in Detroit and replicating that in these HBCUs and being excellent. And I think that's been applicable to every single person I've interviewed on this podcast that has graduated from HBCU. Now, as a follow-up to that question, at North Carolina A&T, you were able to complete your degree in industrial engineering. So as you reflect on this accomplishment, what does it mean to be a black engineer? Well, most importantly, what does it mean to be a black woman engineer? Oh, Marquise, that's deep. The way you say it, man, I feel like, man, I just won an award or something, the NAACP <laughs> award or something. <laughs> Dang, I'm like, that chills. But no, I'm going to be honest and real with you, Marquise, man. I, when I first started out in college, I swear I changed majors like three or four times. And... Like I said, just like I didn't have anybody tell me about HBCUs, you know, I didn't really have anybody tell me about engineering. Like I said, I was at Syracuse. I was a music major when I first started out there and went undecided. Then ended up almost filling out, left there, went down to A&T and I did business. It wasn't for me. So finally I had a friend, a, like a sweet mate. She was like, you should try to engineer, Marjan. You would be good because you're good at math and da-da-da-da. Tried it, loved it. 
And so that's kind of like what happened with me. Some people know off the bat, off the cut, you know, that, hey, engineering's for me or nursing. That wasn't me. I was like, okay, I'm going to try this this week. I'm going to try that next week. <laughs> and then also, I wanted something where when I graduate, I could be making some money. And that was the thing. Everybody was like, do engineering. You know, my mom was like, do engineering. You know, that's a good backup plan. So <laughs> she probably killed me if she ever say that. But it, it was, it was at the time. So I did engineering, industrial engineering, because it seemed to be the easiest, because, you know, there's different <laughs> fields of engineering. And it was also the type of engineering that was closely related to business mm-hmm. and so forth. So that's another reason why I picked industrial engineering. And I haven't looked back. And it's been amazing because it's allowed me to do other things as well, besides just engineering work. So the second part of those questions, what does it mean to be a black woman engineer? Yeah, and you know, it's so funny. And it, I mean, I guess the reason I didn't answer that, because when you say it, it's like, gosh, sometimes I have to, you know, scratch my head or wipe my eyes to realize I am a black female. And sometimes, you know, even I've had people say, can you speak because it's dealing with STEM? You know what? To be honest, it's an accomplishment because you don't, I don't meet a lot of black female engineers unless you're in like NSBE, which is National Society of Black Engineers, or or you're at a particular job, you know, or, or company, you know, you meet maybe a few here and there, but it's, it's an honor. It definitely it makes me want to do better and give back to my other young sisters, black sisters who may be inspired to do this type of work and, and so forth. So I always try to encourage young people to do what you love, you know, even if it is something like engineering. Because sometimes people think they're not smart enough because when they think of engineers, but I let them know you can do anything you want. Just pace yourself, you know. So it means a lot, Marquise, to answer your question. It means a lot. It makes me feel intelligent, but then I'm so humble, Marquise. Let's be real. So sometimes with that type of question, I don't think of me being like, Ooh, you know, like a, like you know, I'm all that. I just think of myself, Miss Marjan, and I and I've allowed it to, you know, kind of jump me into other areas, you know, such as the podcasting and radio. You know, that's the good thing about engineering. I tell a lot of young people, you can do anything you want, you know, with it besides just engineering. No, no, absolutely. And I had to ask you the, the second part of that question because it is important. And I used to work with engineering students and I know that there is not a strong representation of black engineers, nonetheless, black women engineers. And I wanted to ask you from that perspective. Now, follow up to that question. Through engineering, you've been able to work for a variety of companies, General Motors, Mercedes Benz. Yamaha, just to name a few. Right. So based on your experience in the engineering field, what do you feel has been the most important lesson that you've been able to learn? Mm, Boy, you know, I try to tell the young people again that, you know, try different things, you know, don't limit yourself. You know, like I started off in automotive, all those companies you name. And now even today I'm doing projects with water company you know i've worked in um medical you know still engineering related but now i'm in project management so sky's the limit you know with engineering i tell people just enjoy it you know embrace user transferable skills and so forth working for those companies was amazing you know i I learned work with different cultures you know coming from hbcu you get a little spoiled you know, you get to you get used to working around people that look like you, and then next thing you know, you go work for these big companies, and you don't see anybody that looks like you. And even in some of these companies, Marquise, I got a chance to travel overseas and spend time over there, like in China and 
Germany and so forth and really learning different cultures and seeing how they do business and seeing in some cases how the, the disrespect of women, especially black women, and having cases of you know discrimination even in that area. I went over to China and, and I had an interpreter and still had problems, you know, because they didn't, they, I guess they were looking at me like, who is that? And they were like, she's the engineer? She's our customer? So that was an experience in itself, but it's an amazing one to let me know that you know I'm special. And like I tell young people, if I can do it, so can you. In fact, I expect you to do it bigger and better than I do. So that's the cool thing about it. <laughs> well, you have done it big and you have done it bad. And just those companies I named, these are Fortune 500 companies that I named. Those are just in the automotive industry. And I didn't mention all the other ones that you yeah. worked with as well. But again, it's, it's such an honor to hear your story, but most importantly, see ourselves reflected as Black people in the uh, engineering field. That's exciting. Now, outside of engineering, you've been able to venture into media by hosting various radio shows and podcasts. So that being said, what led you into the media space? Man, you know, it's so funny, Marquise. I'm going to tell you, I just had this thing. Being an engineer, you know, you're taught in the first like, engineering one-on-one class how to do things in a methodical way always having a strategy plan you know before you start branching out into your four classes it was always about strategy how are you gonna take a situation and, and get some good results and so from there i decided you know i've done this undergrad thing i kind of did it for whatever reasons i don't regret it engineering is a good field but i want to do something a little bit more creative but i want to use these transferable skills from engineering and, and go somewhere else with it and so that's how I kind of got into media, you know, podcasting, radio. I start trying different things, Marquise, you know, and, and my thing was, if I don't like it, guess what? I'll just pick up and do something else. And that was kind of the beauty of it all. I was working this job as an engineer, you know, kind of a nine to five type of job. But then meanwhile, there was a radio station down the street. And I was like, look, I, I want to pitch something. I, I got an idea. Let me have a couple minutes on the radio. I'll pay for it. I'm, I'm making good money. I can afford it. And that's exactly what I did. My engineering job allowed me to pay for airtime. And I created my own, you know, show as opposed to waiting for somebody to give me a show. And I did it for six months. And finally, it gave me enough time, like I said, going back to strategy, engineering 101, to figure out how does this radio thing work? And eventually, I pitched to the program director, let me come on your show Tuesdays and Thursdays, 15 minutes and talk about my weight loss journey. The rest is history. So I went from paying for airtime to getting paid. You know what I'm saying? And for my expertise of talk or my story, should I say. So, you know, excellent way of doing things or taking something like engineering and, and using it for another area. And so that's kind of how I got into the podcasting and then into the radio, the radio world, as they call it. I love your willingness to take initiative. Mm -hmm. And... You could have easily just continued to work as an engineer and not tap into that creative side of yourself. Right. But you took initiative. You took the resources that you were allowed to have as an engineer and you were able to transition into radio. And that, that's super dope to hear. And again, the initiative that you took and just the vulnerability, also sharing your story as well. I mean, that's also key. We don't want to leave that out. Now, along those same lines, you are the current host of both a podcast called The Convo with Miss Marjan and a radio show called The R&B Soul Groove. 
So tell us more about both platforms and also the distinction between podcasting and hosting a radio show. Wow. Once again, I'm so excited to be here, Marquise. But the thing is with podcasts, a lot of people don't understand is podcasting is like talk radio, but also like on demand. So you can always go back and check it out. That's why I tell people the best way to explain it and everything. Unlike my other show, which is live. And because I'm dealing with music and the different regulations of the FCC, you can't put it on demand, go back and hear it later. It's like you can listen live or you got to check it out the next week or so. But with the podcasting, Marquise has a story behind it. The combo with Marquise Marjan, I literally did that just as a tester. And it was with the intent of, after I finished doing it from beginning to end, I was going to start pitching and trying to get clients. Because remember, I'm always in strategy mode, Marquise, about making money. And so I was able to get clients. And the thing is, I was going to shelf it. And people were like, hold up, where's the next episode coming out? And I'm like, um, this was just like a tester. And then next thing you know, it got picked, you know, picked up iHeart. And then I was doing something with Xfinity Cable. And it was kind of like, dang, okay, I feel obligated to give people more. But I really, it was just a tester. And we were just talking about, you know, candid, transparent conversation. That's all it is, a show about just everyday, not trending topics, but lifestyle topics. So we talk about relationships, religion, mental illness, just stuff that you talk about with your boys and your girls. So that's how the podcast side is. Now, the radio side, I'm doing, tell people, classic soul and R&B. Now, my mentor said, don't say old school because that's disrespect. <laughs> Some respect on it. You know, don't call it old school. Call it classic soul. You know, shout out to Foodie. You know, he was like, don't call it old. That, that sound, nobody want to be called old. So I call it classic soul and R&B because, you know, Detroit, Motown. What better way? And, and it's so cool because this show that I have, Marquise, I'm able to play whatever I want. That's rare. Now, I've worked in commercial radio, and you can't play whatever you want, you know? If the music director decides that, and it's usually some politics with it. With my show, I'm usually on the um, R&B tip, but independent tip. So I'm always looking for independent artists to play. Like, I tell people, I was playing her and LMA four years before they came out. I had got some music from people in New York. And I'm like, dang, I mean, that's that's pretty dope. So that's kind of like the distinction between the two. And that's what I've been kind of doing lately. I've been doing both the um, convo and then also the R&B soul group, but then also getting clients who want to do podcasts. I got some people who want to do radio shows. So that's huge with this COVID situation. Everybody's sitting at home wondering, you know, I want to do my podcast. I want to do a radio show. I want to do something. So I've been monetizing all. I love that. I love not only the initiative you take, but you... You bought your bag. I mean, to put it simply. <laughs> I'm serious. Think about it. You've been, you've been sitting at home since 2020, right? You've been limited about, I mean, very, you know, about what you do or, I mean, very kind of picky about where you go and, all, and who you go with. And, and a lot of people, this has caused them to take that band-aid off and say, you know what? I've always wanted to do a podcast. I've always wanted to have my own talk show, radio show. So I've been helping people. In some cases, getting paid. Some people, I just, you know, give some free advice because you know you can tell they still in the they, they say they want to do it but you know it's a lot of work so um so that's kind of like what i've been doing just just say making it do what it do i love it i love it well marjan we are heading into the home stretch and we are now approaching one of my favorite segments on the podcast which is about music everybody who comes on detroit worldwide to ask them this following question 
Uh-oh. If they had to identify a song in their opinion that best represents Detroit, what would that song be? I always try my best to give my guests this question far in advance so that way they can kind of think about it. Hopefully, I've given you enough time. So I am awaiting your response. So hit me. Okay. Marquis, I, I have to be real. Sometimes I have a love and hate relationship with Detroit. And only because I've lived other places, but I have mad respect for Detroit. Like I said, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. And I, that's why I came up with the song by the OJs, For the Love of Money. Mm. Has anybody ever said that one before, Marquise? Nope. They good, have not. Good, good. And I'm going to tell you why. Because I'm telling you, we are about our money. Detroit is one of the few places, man, where, you know, even in history where, you know, people didn't have a degree, but they made that money. You know what I mean? People came up here to make money. And, and in some cases, you know, we know the bad side of it as far as the bad reputation that Detroit gets. But another thing is when I would go, I was living in Atlanta, L.A. People like, where you from? I said, Detroit. They like, oh, mad respect. No, no, no problems here. No problems here, sis. You know, we, people back up when you say you from Detroit, you from somewhere else. They got mad love for you. And whether it's they don't want to mess with you or Motown or Motor City or whatever. Oh, that's that's where GM4 and Chrysler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My cousin works there, you know, and all that. But mad love. But like I said, it's just something about song for the love of money we are about our money we ain't about all talk it's all about what am i gonna make off of this what do you want from me you know what i'm saying so that's why i picked that song <laughs> i love that song and what's interesting about that i've been listening to a lot of gerald levert lately and i know his dad eddie levert one of the main singers of the ojs but <laughs> they just the ojs is one of the most underrated groups that's the first time that song has been chosen and I cannot wait to add it to our playlist. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, yeah. I know in the, the, some of the lyrics are kind of like a little, you know, like, you know, people rob their own mother, but, you know, it's, it's you know, it's not a bad, it's just that I know that Detroit is so money-driven. We, we're about money. It's all about green. You know, you don't want to hear no fluff. It's all about what can I make from this? Leave me alone. I mean, even the way people hustle on the streets, whether they're at a corner begging for money. I mean, we, we go hard when it comes to hustling because we like to have a good time. Detroit folks, we, we, we play hard, but we party hard, too. You know what I'm saying? So we about we about making that money. You think about it, the plants, 12 hours a day. Come on now. You work hard. You already know. You already know. So... What's on the horizon for you? And most importantly, how can we support the work that you are doing? Well, right now, like I said earlier, I'm still doing the podcast, Miss Marjan. So please check that out. Just Google it, Miss Marjan. You know, the combo with Miss Marjan. I mean, I'm on YouTube. I'm on Facebook, you know, IG, you know. And I even got a little link tree, you know, so I had somebody set that up, Marquise. You know how it is, young the millennials. I'm a, I'm a generation Xer. <laughs> I feel like I'm getting old. I let the millennials do my social media. But um, so like I said, the convo is still going because people are like, you want to hear more. And I'm going to tell you something, Marquise, I'm going hard in the day. Like I'm getting ready to do an all male panel, single guys. And let women just ask them questions because it's all about going straight in. People do not want any fluff, no chaser. Just go straight hard in the paint, and that's one thing I'm looking to do. But then also helping others. So if there's people out there who are listening who want to get into podcasting and learn like, the difference between podcasting and doing a 
uh, a radio show, let me know. Also, I'm still doing my R&B soul groove show. A shout out to WHFR, which is part of Henry Ford College. A lot of people don't know that you can take a class at Henry Ford College and end up doing radio. One class that's, you know, a couple of weeks long and you can have your own radio show. Because a lot of people are like, how do I get on the radio? It's that simple. And here's the thing, Marquise, I don't mind sharing information because you got some people real stingy. But you know what? That's one thing I, I want to give back to others because God has blessed me. So I want to bless others. So, yes, you can take, I forgot, I think it's like eight weeks long class, eight weeks long. And the next thing you know, you can have your own show as well on 89.3. And there's probably about close to 300,000 listeners or air, uh, people in the area have capability to hear the show. But it's also on the website, whfr.fm, and also on TuneIn app. Dope, dope, dope. So I know you shouted out the podcast on the radio show, but where else can people find you in the social media space if they want to get in contact with you? Well, like I said, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and they can find me, Miss Marjan, also The Convo. Also, I have my own business. I know I didn't really get into it, but it's called Mastermind Communications. And that's kind of like where I, I do some of my consulting through that. Or people hire me on to do PR marketing. You know, I've done all types of stuff at freelance and so forth. So definitely check me out at Mastermind Comps, C-O-M-M-S. Yeah, MastermindComps.com. I love it. We'll make sure we get all of that in the show notes. All right, Marjan, final question as we wrap up. And that question is simple. What does Detroit mean to you? Wow. Detroit, what does Detroit mean to me? Well, like you said earlier, happy 313. Detroit is tough love, you know constructive criticism hardcore the thing i love about detroit i've lived so many other places marquis from la new york atlanta chicago and all those places just seem like they blew blew smoke up my tail you know what i'm saying they they told you what you wanted to hear but here coming home from my family friends haters supporters they tell me the real deal and that's why i am as successful and making more money than I've ever made in my life. And I'm telling you here, we will tell you the real deal Holyfield, whether you want to hear it or not. And so Detroit is special. I have a love and hate relationship with Detroit because sometimes I'm like, I'm ready to go. And then other times I'm like, no, I need to stay and give back. And so that's why I'm still here. Six years later, I'm still here. You know, my family, not just my immediate family, but my Detroit family. Detroit is a special place. We, we don't take no dumb. We, we are very loyal people. If we love you, we love you, and we will have your back. But if we don't like you, we will let you know and send you on your way. <laughs> and so that's all I got to say. Detroit means, means, man, tough love. It means real, real, holy, feel love. Well, Marjan, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Much appreciated. Thank you. Your podcast is dope. And shout out to uh, Gil and Renee for being on your podcast. They were also on this podcast yes. as well. But you had three episodes with them. I think four, a matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken. But Yes. Yeah, we kept going. We kept going. Marquis. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to them. Yes. Beautiful couple. Beautiful couple. Most definitely. Most definitely. And again, thank you so much. And I appreciate you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us here on Detroit Worldwide. Thank you, Mark. Congratulations to you and all what you do. Trying to keep it going. Keep my head above yeah, you, water. I'm just just a bear trying to catch a fish. <laughs> you are doing it. You not only fishing, man, you have a fish fry. <laughs> you are doing it, brother. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. And that's the thing about Detroit love. If you wasn't doing it, I wouldn't have said nothing. 
I would have been like quiet, but you are doing the doggone thing. I've heard your podcast many episodes and you, I just, I'm so proud. I love to see that positive energy of people doing, whether it's podcasting, radio, media, digital media, whatever, a mad shout out. Cause it does, it, it takes a lot to do this kind of work. It's not easy. You know, it's time consuming. You got to do all the work. People think it's like you just show up and start talking, you know, and it's, it's not, you got to lay it out. I mean, your questions were on point and everything. So shout out to you. And I'm sending nothing but love and blessings. All right. Well, I appreciate that. Well, on behalf of Miss Marjan, I am Marquise Taylor. This is Detroit Worldwide, and we will both holler at y'all on the other side. Peace. Loving what you're hearing? Then feel free to visit our new website where you can listen to previous episodes, explore our Black Business Directory, and also check out other content related to this platform. Head over to DetroitWorldwide.com to learn more. And if you're listening on an Apple device, feel free to subscribe, rate, and review. This platform would not exist without your support. I thank you.